Let me get this bag dumped. There we go. Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. I'm working on a new set that I'm pretty excited about. I'm excited about it. Just to be in its presence. <laughs> uh, making the, the Lego treehouse. See if you can get this in the camera. <laughs> we could just put it here and then nobody Man. could see us. <laughs> Look how big that box is. That's that treehouse has a, is that a toilet? It has a toilet in it. It does have it. a toilet. It's got a bedroom and a toilet and a kitchen. I guess that's a kitchen. No, that's another bedroom. Yep. Oh my goodness. This thing's crazy. Wow. So this is uh, set number 21. Set number big. 21318. Two, it's an idea set, uh, the treehouse. And this is crazy. I've never had this before. It comes with a sub box. There's an entirely other oops, box of Legos inside the big box. And look at the instruction manual. It's big. This is like a... That's like the Sears catalog. The Sears catalog. I was going to say the same thing. That's insane. That's where you go to look wow. at laundry. That's pretty wild. So that's uh, 19 bags. And a couple of them have double bags. So we'll see how that... Did you look out. at the laundry section in Sears catalog? I think every kid did that. Yeah. Every boy kid did that. Thank you, Sears. <laughs> what are you working on? I'm still trying to do this uh, Prowler model from the fighting suit R space type thing. Mm. One of my favorite properties. Mm -hmm. The super armored. Oh, look at that. It says armored with no E. Armored. 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 Yeah. That's how I would spell it. <laughs> That is how you would spell it. <laughs> uh, I, your little, uh, your 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 bits are oh, all yeah. in my uh, my Lego area here. I'll clean up the spaceman bits, space nubs. Uh, what's going on? Ooh man, what's what's new? We've been waiting here today for your new uh, toy purchase, <laughs> which is not this Lego set. Nope. This is a business expense. Uh, is the other one not? Yeah, yeah kind of. Oh, these uh, aren't the the green pieces in this set, or maybe it's just the leaf pieces, like the new plastic, the plant-based plastic. Oh, is it? I they, think so. Well, it's Maybe it's because so I haven't seen this shade of green lately, but this is yeah. looks more vibrant. Uh, well, it says the plants. So at the beginning of this thing, it says plants from plants. So all of these plant pieces Planty. shown here are made from plant-based plastic. So I don't know if those plates are. That's a lot of peas in those words mm -hmm. that I just said. Anyway, that's pretty cool that they're... Moving to plant-based plastics. PLA's plant-based. It's made from soybeans. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so I ordered a one-wheel. and What's a one-wheel, Bob? Let me tell you. It's a skateboard with one wheel. It's very disappointing. <laughs> Couldn't afford all the other four yeah. wheels. It doesn't actually roll. It just leans. Scrapes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's a it's a one wheel skateboard, the big chunky wheel right in the middle, and uh, I've wanted one for a long time, and I'm not sure what actually drove me to get it now. Just I don't know. I just kind of you're a grown up and you want something, so you bought it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Which I don't really have a good reason to want it or to have it or to invest because they're not cheap. So to invest the money in it. Um, I don't live in like an urban environment where it makes a lot of sense to like replace a car commute with a one wheel skateboard commute. It's just something I've always been interested to try out. And 
So I got that. So it should be on a FedEx truck on its way to the house. So in the middle of this podcast, I may get a notification that I need to go get it. That would be cool. That would be cool. We could experience that in real time with all the people. Real time unboxing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because I just got a notification from my doorbell, which would tell me that they were there, but it was from a while ago. Um, ooh, I could actually just like watch the camera here and see the FedEx truck pull up. That would be interesting. It'd be even cooler if Jenny came rolling in here on a one wheel. <laughs> like this thing showed up the other day. <laughs> I've been riding it around for a while. I didn't tell you. Uh, so we may have that to handle in the middle of this, and I'll be really excited and distracted if that happens, but we'll see. It may not show up today. That's a lot FedEx. of cool stuff for you over there. You got a big, huge treehouse model. You got a one-wheel coming. Yeah. You got R2-D2 sitting right there. Yeah, been working on R2 a lot. Um, actually just ordered some more parts for R2. Some of the light, all of the light panels for the dome. So theoretically... Pretty soon, I should actually get some stuff lighting up because I think it's kind of a plug and play. There's a little Arduino and then mm-hmm. a bunch of pre made uh, LED boards that are fit to those things, the right colors and all that stuff. And so I think I should be able to just like mount them and power them. Should That'd be good be cool. to go, which would be nice. And then you can control it's just uh, the lights, no sound though, right? Right. Yeah. This okay. is just the dome lights. So it's a very small part of the entire electronics package that's needed for this thing. But you know, it's a start. So And the dome's starting to look like R2, which is pretty cool. Like, I glued on some blue panels. I polished up the silver. So it's beginning to take shape, which is really exciting for me. But, um, yeah, well, what, what's up with you? Mm, I don't know. We had a, a topic conversation from somebody on Twitter that asked us about, uh, like, dad moments or moments in parenting where uh, – feel like you're failing or you feel like you're not doing it right mm-hmm. in the last couple of days i've had some of those oh yeah yeah you want to share specifics uh i think we can because okay. i don't think on here it's considered whining i think it's relatable okay <laughs> that's how we'll, we'll do this sure Sounds um, good. but i mean you've been a dad longer than i am you're significantly older than me hey now <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we do we help each other out yeah Sure. So the last couple of days, I mean, it's mostly been probably a mixture of my attitude and my kids' behavior. But, I mean, I have just been really short with them. Hmm. The, the whole, like, they don't want to listen. And I think all my kids have had, like, a really strong, rebellious kind of streak. I think they feed off of each other. A lot of the, like, back-talking or, like, I'm just not going to do what you say. Hmm. And I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know if it's just, like, this thing, like, oh, that kid just said that they're not going to do the very simple thing that parents told them to do. And they kind of got away with it to some extent. So I think I'm going to do it too. And it's just been like a string of this behavior. It's super frustrating. And it's that moment that like, whenever I walk through the door, I immediately have to be the disciplinarian. And I hate that. Yeah. I hate it so bad. I don't like that either. I want to come home and like enjoy the presence of all my people. And I want to share like what we did for the day. And I'm interested in their day. And like, oh, let's sit down and talk about it. And people are just like upset and complaining. And they're just, they have that whiny kind of nag sound that uh, I can't stand that sound. But, and then I get upset because they made my wife upset. And it just kind of perpetuates and creates this really tenuous irritation for the rest of the evening. And then we go into dinner 
which I have, my kids are nine, five, and three. So dinner time is is a chore. It's not like, oh, let's sit down and eat this stuff that mom and dad lovingly made for us. It's they're going to complain about it. And I, um, I, it's very important to me to sit down and have dinner with my family. I love sitting down at the table. We are a family. We're going to, uh, as best we can, <laughs> try to enjoy each other's company. Yeah. And it is increasingly difficult to do that. And I get upset. And I'm like, I either want to, I have a tendency, which I think is probably known on this show, that when I get really upset about stuff, like I tend to just retreat or I'm going to yell. And so in lieu of yelling and getting mad, I'm just going to like, all right, well, I'm getting up and leaving. Or you're screaming like that, like go to your room, like remove an element from this situation. And that seems to be happening over the last three or four days more and more. And I'm getting pretty tired of it. Do you think, um, and this is not a judgment, this is a question. Uh, do you think that right there, even though, you know, the the situation that's created where someone is upset about something or someone is being defiant or whatever, you know, you get to that point, however you get to it. And then that like either I'm going to send you away or I'm going to go away. Is that a point that could change that you guys could actively change how how that's handled? And do you think that would make a difference? Yeah, because my wife and I talked about it and I. It's definitely, I know we talked about this at church one Sunday, like the lens that you look through, yeah. you know, depending on your mood or the, the different people. And it's a couple of things and they're all just kind of coming together. It's, you know, my irritation with whatever is going on, me having to be the disciplinary and just like feeling generally upset about that. And then the slightest little imperfection or the slightest little irritation or the back talk or the whining or the whatever that just like bumps it up to another level of irritation yeah. that it probably wouldn't have had otherwise. And it's the same thing with them. They sense our irritation. They sense that they're just being nagged at or they don't get what they want because mom and dad are in this irritating, demanding, no kind of mood that it puts them on edge. And so it's this cyclical, just kind of round of like, I don't want to frame it like a battle, but they're testing, I'm reacting, they're reacting, I'm reacting. Yeah. And... As the parent, like, I have to be able to take a breath and calmly respond. And, man, that's difficult with three little naggy, whining kids. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I have trouble with in that type of situation, because, I mean, even our kids are a little bit older, but we still run into the same stuff. Like, that doesn't go away with them getting a little bit older, you know. Um, But one of the problems I have that I don't – that I always have to catch myself, but I always catch myself after the fact. Yeah. Is – one of them will do something or be in a mood or, you know, be defiant or whatever the thing is. That one will create a mood in me, and I unknowingly transfer that mood to the other ones. Hmm. And so, you know, kid A does something that makes me very angry before dinner even starts or something. You know, it's like, I've been telling you to wash your hands for 30 minutes. Go wash your hands and come to the table. That's the frustration that I take into dinner and then somebody starts talking with their mouth full of food, a different kid, and I react to them as if they were the one that took 30 minutes to wash their hands. Yeah. You know what I mean? I transfer that that kind of uh, punishment, not punishment, but that response is not theirs. Like, they didn't earn that response, which I should have tempered anyway. I shouldn't let, uh, you know, the frustrations of 30 minutes ago continue to affect me and, like, how I deal with any of them, but I definitely shouldn't put it on a different person that doesn't deserve it at all. 
that that happens a lot more than I would like. And it happens at dinner. We're the same way. We always sit down to eat dinner together. That happens at dinner more than any other time because it's one of the very few times where all six of us are in a single room. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're intentionally right there. And that makes it super easy to like, I told you to stop doing that. No, wait, I actually told you to stop doing it, but I'm still going to treat you like I told you to stop doing it. And yep. that's just not fair. But I always catch myself after I've overreacted or after I've punished somebody in a way that, you know, and by punishment, I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, you don't get any computer time tonight <laughs> or whatever. And then I'm like, wait, that was, that was like totally the wrong way to go about that. It's really hard in those situations to to get to that calm that you're talking about, you know, to like break that cycle of I have a natural reaction to something and I just want to get my word in and get my reaction out to break that and be step back from it a little bit. Because when you can do that, it definitely diffuses the situation a little bit. Um, Probably lets everybody put their guard down a little bit instead of everybody getting defensive and everybody worrying about everything. It's just really hard to do. Do you apologize to your kids? I do. I try, I try to always do that. This came, this was interesting. Um, Kind of unrelated, but related to apology. So last night, my oldest was, he, get, he gets distracted a lot. Uh, where like, you know, I'll look him in the eye and say, look, man, I need you to set an example for everybody else. Go get ready for bed. Do that first. And then you'll have time. You can do whatever. Like, I don't care. You can read. You can whatever. It doesn't matter. But do that first. Set the example. And then he won't. He'll just go play and be crazy and get everybody else riled up. And that, because it was like, even though he's not actively disobeying me, disobeying me, he is being disobedient. But that really gets to me. And so, like, last night, he did that. I got angry at his disobedience, and I told him about it, and I, you know, got onto him, and he finally got ready for bed and everything. And then he came back, and he was just, like, standing there in front of me pouting. Not pouting, but just, like, looking down. Yep. And I'm still, internally, I'm still riled up. I've reeled it back. I'm not shouting or I'm not, you know, but I'm still feeling that thing. And he's like, I'm really sorry. And I said, okay. And then he just like looked at me and he was like, well, aren't you going to say anything? I was like, what do you want me to say? And he was basically at the point where, you know, I said, I was sorry. That means you have to say it's okay. That was his response. Hmm. And I said, well, that's not really how that works. He's like, but every time we get in a fight, you make us apologize to each other, and we always have to say it's okay. And I'm like, yeah, that's practice for you, because you both have to learn your part of a conflict, that you should apologize and that you should accept apologies. But just because you say you're sorry doesn't undo hurt. It doesn't get rid of uh, you know, the, the stuff that happens when you make a choice. Like That stuff is still there. And I was trying to explain to him that like, I'm glad you said you're sorry. I'm right. glad that you understand that you should regret your behavior, but I'm not done with it yet. And like, it's okay for me to, I, I, I told him like straight up, I love you. I, um, I will be fine. I'm not going to hold this against you. But right now, five minutes after the fact, I'm not done with it yet. Yep. And it was kind of an interesting point for me to verbalize that to him and like try to figure out how to say it. Like, I'm not ready to tell you that I'm not just going to like smile and say, you're forgiven. Everything's okay. Let's or, just move on. Tight. Because I was trying to make the point to him, like, your behavior affects people. Yeah. 
and it leaves an effect after you're done being that way. And that was really interesting for me to have to figure out how to say in the moment while I'm also frustrated and trying not to, you know, like I don't want to cave. I don't want to just like gloss over it. I want to try to turn it into a lesson. It was kind of tough, but I think he got it. And the more we talked through that, the more my guard was coming down. And I think that helped, you know. I think it's a very important point that like just because you think it's over, just because you've made amends in your head doesn't mean that the other person has been able to process it. Right. And I think that's extremely important that we reflect on that lesson too. Because whenever they come to, like my son came to me, I got onto him and he like hangs his head and does his like very theatric pouting. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, okay, that's enough of that. Stop that pouting and go on that way. And I'm like, well, I'm just trying to force onto him what your son was trying to force onto you. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a reflection of like, I just failed. I think I just failed. Not the fact that I had to discipline because I, I mean, there's behavior that needs to be corrected. And that's what I, I try to, to talk to my son about. And we've talked about it on here. Um, they pillow fight. I have, I, I hate pillow fights. <laughs> no good comes from pillow fights. <laughs> that is, Somebody that is true. gets hurt. Every time. It's not like, oh, it's a pillow. I can't hurt them. False. People get legitimately hurt. And they have. And then I'm like, there is absolutely no pillow fighting in this house. It's stupid. It's unnecessary. You're going to get hurt. Somebody's going to cry. Then I have to do something about it. You're bigger than them. It's an unfair advantage. Don't do it. You think you're being kind by not hitting them with an actual bat. You're hitting them with a pillow. (laughs) But that's not how that works. It still hurts. And so my wife and I are upstairs after a pretty, con- you know, somewhat contentious dinner, I'm upstairs just kind of decompressing. Like, they're down there having fun. Let them have fun. I don't want to spoil that by just my leftover irritation. Mm-hmm. And I hear my middle son go, don't hit me with that pillow. And I'm like, this is the third time, yeah. probably within a month, I've had to go down there and, like, look my son in the eye and explain this to him. And I've explained why. Okay, Dad. Okay, Dad. And then I go down there, and he's got, like, pillow in hand, like in a cartoon, wound up. And he's like, freezes when I sneak down the stairs and I see him. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> We're just having a pillow fight. And I, I don't lose it. I'm trying to maintain because my wife and I have had this conversation. Mm-hmm. But I did that, like, you are going to know I am holding back yeah. by my muted tone <laughs> and my raised eyebrows. And then they put the pillows down. And then I've noticed that I do, I do like my knife hand. I normally don't do a knife hand kind of military talking to drill sergeant kind of thing. <laughs> but man, when I have to mute and I have to lower my voice and I got to talk to you through gritted teeth, yeah. my knife hand comes out. And I'm, I'm not, it's not to strike him. It's to make a point with yeah. all of my fingers right. in this general it's, direction. It's like pointing five times. It's like when Voltron shoots the lasers out of the lion's mouth. I'm trying to shoot my (laughs) emphasis out of all of my fingertips. And I'm like, you will get in bed right this second. You are done. There is no pass and go. There's no books. There's no this. There's no this. I'm like, no, we are done. And then we're not done because it's never that. You're just never done. And again, I'm like, this is a thing that I know I've had to learn. I'm a very efficient person. I 
I treat things like little robots. And I know that people are not robots. And I know especially my children are not robots. But I'm like, okay, you, go do this. You, go do this. You, go do this. And you go do it in this manner. And then we will be done in five seconds. And then, boom, we will all be finished. And everything will be great. And then they just laugh at me and they run away. And I'm like, no one listened to a single thing I said. <laughs> I had a plan. The perfect system is breaking down. <laughs> and that, I think, is my biggest frustration. Is because I have this illusion like everything is a, is a math problem to me. Right. Everything can be solved. I, I'm in the same spot. And I'm like, oh, okay. So bang, 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 bang. Everybody's happy. Congratulations. We can all go run and holding hands in a meadow now. And then they just... A little bit of drool falls out of their mouth, and then they run into the wall, and then they run away. And I'm like, no, everything was perfect. There's a break in the code. There's a glitch in the matrix that just prevented you all from executing this precisely efficient and perfect executable plan. And you just didn't do it. But I mean. And you don't care. You know why that's wrong. I know why that's wrong. (laughs) I do too, but I constantly feel the exact same thing. My brain does not know. And the worst is when I'm looking at them, I'm like. Okay, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you not to do this thing. I can see that you're thinking about doing it. You're, it's going to be wrong because of this, this, and this. Don't do it like that. Do it like this instead because I know this is going to happen. They're like, yeah, okay, Dad. Thanks. Sure thing. And then they walk around and they do the exact. And, yep. I, I attribute like being on Jeopardy. And then they have the easiest question. I'm like, oh, you know, what is Pythagorean theorem? And they're like, wrong. <laughs> I'm like, what? Hold on. And then Alex goes, it's what's Pythagorean theorem. I'm like, well, yeah, I know that. I, I said that already. You're like, yeah. no, you're wrong. And so I am a contestant <laughs> on Jeopardy and just like hearing the, Arr! and then them just regurgitating my correct answer back at me 10 minutes later when someone's crying. I'm like, this is not how this is supposed to work. <laughs> but again, they are not robots. Yeah. And my very stoic analytic mind it's like, oh, I have some wisdom to bestow on you children. Come, low, take heed. And then they just laugh and they run away. Yeah. Do you remember specific examples from your own childhood where you were there in their position where you did that exact same thing? No, because I was dumb and I was a child and I probably wasn't listening. But it happened, right? Probably. But yeah, that's my point. I'm though, imagining that like, so. There's, that happens and like we don't, they don't even know that they don't know. Like, I don't think they're necessarily trying to be defiant. I don't think my kids have the the spitefulness to just, just I'm, be, I'm actively going to ignore yeah. what you're saying. I don't think it's that. It's just that, like, they don't even realize that there's a chance that we might have any clue what we're talking about. I don't, hmm. I, I think they just I think don't at even this, I think it. at this age, from what I understand about people who have older children or teenage children, like, I think, I'm I'm speculating here. That there will be a point when they will go, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I think you're dumb and that you don't understand the conditions in which I, as a teenager, are, right. are put in. Yeah. And then they hit the exact same things because history repeats itself. And then after the fact, they were like, oh, well, right. I guess maybe you kind of said that. I don't think – I think what you're – I agree that our kids are maybe too young to be so brazen as to think that our advice or our caution is stupid or – is irrelevant. Right. I think they just don't understand they that just, we're trying to give them, yeah. they're just, we're limiting the fun that they want to have. Yeah. I think that that's a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, the you're talking about the lens that we look at things through, you know, it's super hard for us to remember what their lens is. To remember when we were that age and all we were thinking about was this moment right here. Because that's what it is. I mean, like kids don't think about tonight. They don't think about tomorrow. They don't think about, 
if I do this, then that will increase my, you know, chances that I get to go get this thing that I want. Or they don't think ahead, even moments, yeah. typically. Um, and that's a, one thing, you know, we've talked a lot with ours about, just like, I want to be able to do certain things with you. And I have to withhold those things, those extra fun things, based on your behavior. Like, you can't blatantly not do what I'm asking you to do and then turn around and get ice cream or turn around and get mm-hmm. a movie. That like I, I Those would, two things are unrelated in their mind. Yeah, which I, I see that. But, like, they don't, they don't get it. And, and that's super frustrating because I want to be able to, like, here's the equation like you're talking about. I want to be able to lay this out in front of them. And we try this all the time. Look, if you do this, get this done, then that means we are free as a family to do all these fun things. And if you don't, then that means all of this opportunity goes away. Yep. And it's not because I don't want you to have those things. It's because my job is to teach you not be like super lovable and be your friend about everything and get you everything you want. That's not my job. And it's just, it's hard to sink in for them. And I don't know a way around it. And I, I always feel like there's probably a better way I could explain it, but I don't think that's actually the case. No. I think it's, I think it's just their ability to grasp cause and effect, mm-hmm. you know, at scale. More than, like, literally right in front of you. If right. I knock this over, it's going to fall. Like, that's that's the limit. At least my younger ones, that's the limit. But my five-year-old, that cause and effect, completely doesn't understand that. And, again, he's he's five, and I get that. But it's it's kind of funny uh, in a weird, like, I have to find some kind of silver lining in this kind of crappy situation that we're all kind of in, very tense and frustrating. I don't know if you guys do bedtime snacks or, like, snack time before bed. Mm, not really. It's frustrating for me. So we eat dinner. If the kids don't eat their dinner, you don't get, like, a snack. So we eat around 5.30-ish, and then they go to bed around maybe 7.30-ish, 8.00. And I don't remember why, but we started a snack before bed, so everybody just rushes to go get a snack before bed. I'm like, well, you didn't eat your food. And some of them are like, well, that was hours ago. I want a snack right now. I'm hungry. I don't understand Mm -hmm. that cause and effect. And then we're like, well, if you're not going to eat your food right now just because you're pitching a fit, then you're not going to get that snack, and you're just going to go to bed. And if you're cool with that, if you understand those consequences, if that's your part of the contract, then great. Have a good night. Go play. And then my five-year-old... Routinely doesn't eat dinner. And like I'm wincing right now. It's it's so frustrating. Like I just want to have a, a meal all together. Please yeah. eat. And he doesn't. So I'm like, well, you're not going to get a snack, man. You're probably just going to go to bed because I'm frustrated with you and you're keeping me from having this moment. Uh, and then I make it very personal when it really shouldn't be that personal. Mm. Which is something that I I have a really hard time with, like, letting little things go. Because, again, I think that it's all a part of this, like, 10 billion piece puzzle. And if right. I let the, one of the tiny pieces go, they could have been a corner piece. This could have been the piece that allowed me to make the, the castle. Now I don't know what these gray pieces are because I let the little thing go a long time ago. And <laughs> So then I'm like, well, buddy, you don't get a snack. And he's like, what? When it's snack time. I'm like, yeah, we've been over this. We've been over this many times. This is not new. And so now he's like, he's confusing things. He's like, so I don't get breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can have breakfast. That's tomorrow. He's like, but, but I want a snack. I'm like, that's not the same thing. He's like, so when I wake up, I don't get food? I'm like, oh my God, kid. <laughs> like, no, you can have breakfast tomorrow. And he's like, okay. Well, can I have breakfast now? 
Like, no, you can't. Rose, <laughs> <laughs> like, you're trying so hard with your little tiny misguided logic to get what you want <laughs> that it's almost endearing. Like yeah. his tenacity is almost endearing. Yeah. If it weren't so infuriating. That's funny. And <laughs> so then like, especially when it happens at the end of the day, I don't know about you and I'm, I'm going to say that this goes back to the, like, I can't let the little things go and I have to kind of apologize to them by the, I don't, I don't want the sun to set on my anger. Mm, right. Yep. If I feel like something has been, if there's a wrong, like it needs to be righted. And especially with my oldest son and now my five-year-old has been able to come down and like apologize to us openly for the way that he's behaved. I'm like, wow, this is great. This is showing some growing. It still doesn't change his behavior the very next day, yeah. but it shows right. some signals of remorse or regret for how he acted. But I'll go down and talk to my oldest son and I'm like, look, that got away from both of us. This mm-hmm. is kind of ridiculous. This is where my frustration came from. And he'll tell me where his kind of uh, – and antagonizing you know behavior came from within himself and without that like i stew in it and i go to bed and like i can't have that time like my wife and i just like hanging out in the evening like i'm just i'm irritated i'm frustrated i didn't get to say my piece i didn't get to make amends because it's still so fresh when things happen in the evening yeah that like i wake up irritated like going to crossfit like i i go to bed thinking i'm a failure as a parent and I wake up thinking I'm like a failure as a human because now I have to think of all the things I have to do for the day. I'm like, well, now I feel like a failure in those things preemptively. Hmm. And like it affected me going to CrossFit this week because I'm like, I, I probably can't do those things either. Oh, and it just it, it, it festers and it impregnates all of these other un, completely unrelated things. When I get in this really grumpy, irritated, like I just lost as a parent yeah. this evening. And it's really hard for me to separate those things. And my wife is amazing, and uh, she tries to help, you know, just, like, listen. And our wives go to coffee every week, every, or I don't know, whatever day of the week. They all get together in the mornings and have coffee. And she had a lot of really good insights from their coffee date this morning. Hmm. And it was uh, one of our, our mutual friends was like, when you feel like a failure as a human, it's not you're a failure as a human, you're being tested. And you have to grow through those things. And it's some people's, including myself, natural tendency to when they are challenged on those things, on like deep-seated things to retreat. Oh, yeah. To where I'm like, look, I'm just, I'm going to go upstairs. I need to remove myself so I don't explode like the fire guy in the Pixar movie Inside Out. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to go be by myself. For the sake of everyone else around me, like I'm some kind of like martyr, like yeah. for the sake of all of your attitudes, I will sacrifice my own self and blockade myself away. You're welcome. Yeah. When that's really not what should be done. Yeah. And I think like the, the time that it takes you to, to retreat, like retreating for the sake of diffusing a situation or to make sure that you're handling something the right way, that's depending on who you are, that's an excellent tactic. Mm-hmm. But I think to let that be the end of it is where it falls down. Yeah. It, for know? me, it's not like a moment of self-reflection or to have pause or to like meditate on the best way forward. It's just, I'm going to back away from this and then hopefully it will iron itself out without me because yeah. I feel like I am part of the instigation. Right. And so from this equation, if it's going downhill, it's 
because I am pushing that car down the hill right. along with other people. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's definitely something that you know you have to keep track of and try to make sure that you're not allowing that to happen, um, and which is easier said than done, of course. Um, oh, I missed a piece here, I think. And the point that her friend made was that that's not an opportunity to get any better. It's not an opportunity to grow. It's not an opportunity to mm. try to improve on your behavior or learn from uh, the way that you reacted to things today in that moment. You know, if it were that self-reflection kind of I need to regroup and think about how to proceed uh, responsibly, uh, faithfully, like in a way that you can discipline, you can change behavior, but is also not demeaning or demoralizing because yeah. you're just ranting and yelling angrily and frothing at the mouth. Like that would be, like you said, like a, a benefit to having that time to yourself and kind of retreating. But to just retreat, just to like ignore it. Yeah, which I think is a pretty common thing. I mean, a lot of people feel that if I just don't deal with it, everybody will wake up fine tomorrow. It's natural to want to do that, but it's just not beneficial, I don't think. Um, so there's been a couple of times, especially with my oldest. I think I'm, I know I'm harder on him than anybody else. I've, even though I try not to be, I just have a higher expectation of his behavior. I feel like he's got more experience. He should do better. Maybe that's fair. Maybe it's not. But I think a lot of the big blow-up frustration that I get into is with him specifically, often. Not not always. But there have been a couple of cases where I've overreacted. I've handled things very badly. And I have to get out of it. Would you just drop something? A little bit. Sorry. Have to get out of the situation, you know, just get him to bed, be done for a little while so that I can cool down enough to have a level head. But there are at least twice that I can think of. I've gone back and gotten him out of bed and said, like, look, we need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's interesting about uh, apologizing to kids, I don't do it a ton, but I have done it with all of them because I've handled lots of situations badly. But I think when you apologize, when you do something wrong, it maybe reinforces when you're not doing something, like when your anger is justified. So, hmm. and, and I could be wrong about this, but the times that I've gotten him out of bed and said like, look, man, I, I messed up. Like I, I definitely overreacted to that and I was angrier than I should have been or whatever the thing is. That shows him that, like, oh, well, his reaction to what I did wrong, he's admitting, was incorrect. But the last time I did this other thing wrong and he got really upset and got on to me, he didn't apologize for that one. So that one, he must have been right. Hmm. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I think, you know, when you apologize, it shows you're, that you're willing to admit the fact that you can make a mistake. But it also kind of reinforces that you are in charge of you know uh, reprimanding in the way that you want to and getting the thing across but also in charge of realizing the fact that you've made a mistake and being willing to talk about it and I think I guess what I'm saying is apologizing can actually help reinforce some of the other stuff that you've already uh, tried to put in place I don't know if I'm saying that well but no I, I think so I think that apologizing like that um, for the big things and the little things uh, reiterates that or shows to the kids that they are in charge of their emotions, just like you were in charge of your emotions. Yeah. And when even if it gets away from you, yeah, and when, especially when it gets away from you, 
it's not something that just happens. So you have to move on. Like you can make amends and you can be responsible and you can admit when you're wrong, you know, and because I thought my, I mean, as most people do, I mean, your parents are this immovable figment. Like it's this thing that they, they can't do wrong. They have all the money. They own all the stuff. They're this powerhouse in your life that either make no mistakes or won't openly admit to their mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I remember the time when my dad like admitted that he did something wrong or that he was like, I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do with mm. you guys. Cause my brother and I, we used to fight all the time. I remember that moment. I'm like, wow, he is being really vulnerable right now. Hmm. Like this is honest. He's not putting up this fight. Like they always know what's right. And I had a feeling as a kid that my parents, whether they were right or whether they were wrong, they were going to have this, this persona that what they say is correct. You know, when they want to enforce discipline, I, as a kid, thought I was justified. Right. They disagreed, so they get their way because the parents always think they're right. And they're going to assert that dominance and in, in reinforce their rightness, regardless of how I feel. And so, as a parent myself, I recognize that and I think my son is is mature and smart enough to accept and understand and go look I'm I don't know all of the answers I don't know how to respond to these things and I got mad because I don't know what to do otherwise and this is me going I'm sorry for getting mad like I did and a majority of the time it's it's a, a double-handed apology right it's like I'm sorry I reacted that way but, but your <laughs> yeah. your actions drove me off the parenting cliff. Yeah. And so I think that that has to be a proper balance of having a sincere, like, I should not have done that. You saw me in a moment of weakness. Um, I hope you understand that as a parent yourself, you are going to have these moments of weakness and it may give you pause hmm. or the humility to go and admit it. And instead of going like, but... Yeah, you're kind of like a butthole, like all the time, and it's all your fault. And me and your mom were better off without you. And like that—that's not the point. Yeah, is honesty. Like, if anything, that my my mother in particular taught me is that I knew that I could be honest. I knew that she would be as honest as she could with me and with us. And there was a level of mutual respect beyond just like her being my mom, of mm. her being like a person in general I could turn to, and I could seek you know, wise counsel because she would always be honest and tell me what was going on. And that's not to say that she didn't overreact to the stupid things I did. It's not to say when she would get mad and she spanked us or tried to shove uh, like soap down my mouth when I said crap one time. <laughs> like, and now I think back to those moments. And I'm like, yeah, she was a person trying to figure it out. Just like I'm a person trying to figure out how to deal with these little creatures that are the worst kind of Jeopardy host. <laughs> like, they, they love us. Yeah, they drew me cute pictures. Like, I love these pictures. Thank you. Like, can I trade in all of my pictures for one? Like, you know what, Dad? I'm going to eat over my plate every day. <laughs> like, some kind of currency. <laughs> like, six. I love you, Dad. Welcome home. Hugs is equal to, like, oh, I'll clean up the milk on the table. Like, can I can I trade those in for that? Yeah. Yeah. But you can't. <laughs> no. And so you love no, the silly finger paints. Yeah. And 
dinner time. Man, dinner time. Dinner time's tough. And, and I mean, I don't know. It's totally worthwhile, right? I mean, that that forcing everybody to be together in... Oh, as as compared to, like, having two separate dinners? Well, yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of people that that's just easier. Or, like, they'll eat and then, like, leave the kid at the table and they'll get up and go do things. And, I mean, it, okay, well, I'm thinking a bunch of different things at the same time. For us, like, we've always been probably overbearing about food. And... It's not a judgment on anybody else and how they handle meals because everybody and every family and every kid and every food is different. But, like, we are just like, I don't care. Eat your food. You don't have a choice in this. And it's overbearing to the point to where, like, one of our kids, when he eats a piece of squash, he gags. And it's not a fake gag. It's like a legitimate, I'm going to throw up at the table because this texture just does weird things for me. Jenny's still make squash and puts like one piece on his plate. Like this time it's just not going to make him gag, you know, (laughs) but whereas I, maybe that one we should let go, but we just like forced that stuff. And we forced, you know, from when they were little, it was like, you eat vegetables. You don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. You don't get to be choosy. You don't get to be picky. This is what we eat as a family. We're all going to eat it, whether everybody likes it or not. Um, and I think that does have some benefits to be that hard lined about certain things. But I also know that we're probably overbearing to a point. Where I was going with that is that sometimes that means we are all at the table together while someone is getting through their food that they really, really don't want to eat. Yeah. But we make we actively make the effort to like dinner time is when we are at the table. Not that some of us are at the table until the other ones are done and then half of us leave and the other mm-hmm. ones are stuck here forever. Because I think that's easier. Like a parent could be like well, you have to sit here until you eat it all. So I'm going to scarf mine down real quick and leave. And then you have to stay here and eat. Uh, so we try, we can't always do this, but we try to like, if you're done, you get to sit there and enjoy our conversation. And you get to sit at the table and we're all going to be together for this time, even if it takes a long time for everybody to get through their food. And, I, you know, that has its ups and downs, but... I always felt like that was a little bit better of a protocol than just like if you throw a fit and you're you're making it miserable for everybody, then you just won't eat. Like uh, that doesn't work for us. Um, but I know a lot of other people who they just like, okay, you don't eat and you don't get another chance to eat and this is it. And Or like take your plate to your room and finish it in your room. I mean, that would never work here. But I know people who have done that. I know people who have like had to stay at the table by themselves until like midnight till they ate their fried chicken. Oh my God. Stuff like that. Like I, I just, we can't pull that off. I don't think that's good for us, but. So I have this, this deep seated thing that I hate having my time wasted. I feel like that is, it's not even that I feel it is our most precious, precious resource that you can't get back. Right. And so I want to be doing something. I want to be engaging. I want, and so like dinner time, if if we're not enjoying each other's company and we're not like talking and building each other up, if it's contentious, I'm like, this is wasting my time. We could be doing something else. I could be doing something else, but I'm standing here and I'm sitting here watching this person just like eat a single grain of rice at a time. And, ah, oh, man, I, I hate that. Can I, I challenge you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way, 
in that I like to be productive. I have a really hard time sitting still with nothing to do, whether it's with people or without people or whatever. In those moments where you feel like we could all be doing something better than watching this one eat, the thing that you are doing, the productivity there, the investment that you are doing there is getting that person to understand their choices, uh, you know, what they've been blessed with, like the food, the fact that they have food there, how them not eating that food is affecting other people. And I don't think it's like a one for one, like they're going to walk away from the table being like, oh, you know, I should have thought through that a little Mm -hmm. bit more. I should have been more considerate. It's not that. I think it's a compounding, you're investing some time into those kids in that moment, as frustrating as it is and as wasteful as it is, you're investing in them this compounding effect to realize that their choices affect stuff around them, people and food and whatever. So next time you get in that, like, okay, well, I just want to be out of here, you know, try to think of it that way. Which is, again, super hard to do in the moment when you're frustrated and you just want to get it from the table. But I have tried to get in a better place because bedtime is what's hard for me. Dinner is Mm. like, you know, it has its frustrations. Bedtime is every single night frustrating for me. Like, I'm at the end of my day, the end of my rope, I'm tired, my back hurts, my this hurts, my whatever. I just mm-hmm. want to sit down on the couch with my wife for the, the hour, hour and a half that we get. Yep. And I want that. It's not that I don't want to be with the kids, but, like, at that point, I'm done. And when I try to get you feel bedtime like started. You've, like, you've, you've stamped your card? Yeah, which is not good. Right. It's, it's not the right feeling, yep. but I definitely feel that. That's but clocked out. Bedtime is the thing that gets me, like, mealtime probably gets yeah. you. And I'm bad at it, but it's just like, I just want to get this done. Like just brush your teeth. It takes two minutes. That's all it takes. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't take 15 minutes to brush your teeth. Just get the thing done so that I can move on. And then I'm like, oh, I, oh, I just want to do that. And I want to do that. And I want this to be overnight. Well, okay. I'm focusing on the wrong person here. And And that's where eating is to me. I'm like, you can eat faster. You have to eat faster. I had to eat faster. Therefore you need to eat faster. We have to move on (laughs) with things. You are taking far more than your allotted time. But I think those are the moments where I have to kind of get myself out of like, okay, you're being selfish because you're tired. Like them brushing their teeth slowly or being distracted while they're doing it is really not that big of a deal. Like it's in the scheme of things. They're not being efficient. They're not being super well behaved maybe, but it's not as big of a deal as my internal clock wants it to be, you know. So, but I'm still bad at it, even though I know that, which I guess it doesn't really help, but... My oldest son, we've been having troubles with him around bedtime. Um, my middle son, I love this kid to death. That kid is like his mama. He will sleep at the drop of a hat. It's perfect. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, it's bedtime. He's like, okay, I love you. And then boom, he's gone. Yeah. My daughter will try to play a little bit. My oldest son now just... He, he's not tired. Mm. He, the kid loves to read. He loves to make comic books and to draw. And so he sits down, he has his room is in the basement. So he sits down there and just reads books, which I'm like, yay for reading books. But then he came up one night at like 1045. <laughs> He's saying that, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I'm thirsty. I'm like, what are you doing awake right now? Oh, I just, I couldn't really sleep. It's hard for me to fall asleep. So, and we tried like the little melatonin gummies, like doesn't phase him. He just doesn't care. And he's like, you know, like, I'm kind of hungry. I want to have a snack. I'm like, No. Like, you're invading that precious yeah. time. Yep. Our wind down, I can spend time with this woman that I chose to, to 
spend my life with, like, I get her. I'm being selfish in, in that moment with just, like, I want this to be just her and I. Yeah. I love you. I, I super love you. I'm going to love you a whole lot better in the morning. <laughs> and he's like, so what you guys up to? And he does that thing where, <laughs> like, all right, go to bed. And he, like, half, like, tries to look at the TV while he's walking. And he, like, walks he's into like, the okay, wall. like, okay, I'm going yeah. No, be done. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be awake right now. You're finished. I stamped your card. Like, you have clocked out. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm just not that sleepy, you guys. Does he get enough, uh, enough? Does he get a lot of, uh, exercise? And I think that's it. And he yeah. sleeps in. Oh, yeah. And I'm okay. like, no. Yep. Wake your butt up so that you can be tired. <laughs> You're not tired because you didn't do anything and you slip in. I'm like, homeschool kid? Yes, this is one of those moments where like, oh, it's because you homeschool your kids and they don't have to wake up to get the bus at six or seven or whatever. Fact. <laughs> Open acknowledgement. <laughs> but. But I, I have his alarm clock and I have been going down and waking him up. Like if I'm getting up early, he's getting up early too. Hmm. You'll be up. You take care of your lizard down there. Come upstairs, dressed, let's eat breakfast. He and I. That's cool. Because you need to be tired. Yeah. You're well, the reason I, I brought that up is because, like, our oldest, he's uh, he'll be 12 next month. Crazy. And uh, he he definitely is the least tired of everybody when it's time to go to bed. And you can just see it. I mean, he's just still going, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, But since they've started playing soccer, mm. man, those practice nights and those yeah. game nights, they're all out. And that that exercise is it's something I didn't think about how much we were going to be doing soccer and how active they would be, but it's had a pretty significant effect. And we do so much of it mm-hmm. every night, every day. There's something happening that usually by the end of the night they all crash pretty hard, which is pretty cool. I mean, once we get him still, he'll fall asleep. Getting him still is the hard thing because yeah. he just wants to read and wants to do this and that. The soccer thing, I'm. I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying it. Really? I really honestly was kind of dreading, you know, she signed all four of them up because they all wanted, they said they wanted to do it. And then we found out that they have practices four nights a week, games on Saturdays. And I was like, that sounds like so much. (laughs) And they're not all at the same place. It's like you have one at this field and then 30 minutes later, one at that field, but they don't end 30 minutes. They end at the same time because they're different ages and they have different size, different length practices. And then sometimes we have games at different fields at the exact same time. We have out-of-town games. We have games on Sunday and Monday and Thursday now. Like, it's crazy. More than I expected. And so I was honestly dreading all of the the go-around and everything. Mm -hmm. But it's been, it, it is a lot of work. You know, to get the, everybody everywhere, and there's a lot of scheduling, and we don't do dinner the same way we've always done it. Um, it's usually later or it's earlier or whatever. But I am really enjoying seeing them uh, do a thing and being able to cheer them on. I don't care about soccer. I don't care about with this team wins or that team wins. But seeing them get a hold of the ball and, like, have a chance to, to do one little job, you know, like mm-hmm. for the team – and just get it to that person or, or score or whatever, like, that's pretty awesome. It's it's cooler than I expected it to be. Well, good. And I'm actually enjoying watching them play. I understand a little bit more about the game now than I did. That's good. All three of the boys have scored in games. Nice. Yeah, which is surprising because there's some really good players that, on their teams, and they are not the good players on their teams. 
uh, for the most part. But and that, like, even that, like, I don't care about points. But seeing one of your kids go run half the soccer field by themselves and score in the face of like three or four other people, like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So that's why I loved my when my kids played t-ball, especially being their coach because it's like I, I mean I teach you most of the things in your life. But this is a thing that has very little bearing on other stuff. It's not manners or right, yeah. like table etiquette. It's like, oh, go hit this ball with this silly thing and then go run this <laughs> random you know, uh, square around this grassy field. And just watching them be excited at something that they've done makes me forget all those times you didn't eat your stinking yeah. noodles on your yeah. plate. Or the times that you, know, you should be asleep you know, when you're proud of themselves. In anything, I mean, regardless of what it is. And we've talked about sports and other kind of hobbies on here, but just watching them be excited. And that's, like, that's my thing about my son not going to sleep. Like, he's down there reading. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I used to do that. I remember I read <laughs> I read Robinson Crusoe at night from uh, a the light that you strap to the back of your bike that flashes. Oh, my god! The red flashy light on the back of my bike was the only flashlight that I had. And I read all of Robinson Crusoe with that light. That's and I'm pretty sure my parents would have been like, what are you doing? Go to sleep and all the same things that I'm saying. But, like, yeah. I love that book yeah. that I read, like, secretly when I was supposed to be sleeping. So there's part of me that is like, in the grand scheme of things, that's really not that big a deal. But then the next day he gets really crabby yep. and really whiny. I'm yep. like, this is that cause and effect that you still don't understand or don't grasp. We've and had the same exact same thing with reading, especially with my daughter, because she has a room by herself. She can sneak a flashlight in there and nobody knows. And she'll stay up. She has stayed up till 11 o'clock reading books or whatever. We go in and we catch her. And it feels bad to be like, yeah. you. I'm going to mess up your love of reading by yep. taking this stack of books away from you. <laughs> But, yeah, she wakes up the next day and she's terrible because she just didn't get enough sleep. And it happens over and over and over. And that was one of those things where it happened enough times and we took books away from her. And she cares enough about books that that had the impact it needed to have. Hmm. And so now she she's either gotten really good at hiding it or she doesn't do nice. it anymore. Could be either one. I don't know. Honestly, I don't care because she, she comes in yesterday from school. She's like the... I mean, you know her. She's like the one that just can do anything. Mm-hmm. And she comes in and she's like, here, I've got some papers from school, some graded stuff. And she hands me these four pieces of paper. And I look at these pieces of paper and they're like 100, 101, 104, 110. <laughs> and I'm like, well. <laughs> I get it. You're good at yeah, stuff. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I was just like, I said, unacceptable. And she turned around <laughs> and she just started laughing. I mean, she is. She's really good at everything. And so it, it makes it hard for me to be like, there, there's not a lot of deficiency with her. You know, there's, yeah. it's not like, well, you're not getting this one thing done, so you got to stop that. It's like, well, I guess you can do drama club because you're doing really well at gymnastics and soccer and all your grades are straight A's above 100. And, you know. It's it, hard to justify that wrong behavior because it doesn't have a negative effect yeah, on anything. It's, yeah, it's tough it, with her specifically. I mean, she's got her own stuff. Every kid does. But that was that was a really interesting moment where I was like, I'm super proud of the fact that you just handed me four scores above 100 points or 100%. But I don't want to like overdo it and make you realize how smart you are and how good at everything you are. 
but yeah. My dad had a thing. I think my grades became like a, a focus of mine. My dad used to dip skull. He used to dip chewing tobacco. Oh, yeah. And he told me, I like, we went to some program and I saw the guy with like no jaw. And I'm like, I dipped school. And so I was like, Dad, you got to quit that. It's disgusting. It's gross and it's going to kill your face. And he, like, very strategically was like, okay, well, if you get all straight A's, the entire report card, then I'll stop. I'm like, oh, done. And I did. Like, it was the easiest thing in the world to, for me. It was like the fifth grade. So there was very low expectations, yeah. I imagine. And I'm like, there you go. I would show him every time I got a report card. He was like, okay, good job. And I'm like, you don't understand what you just did. You gave me a goal, and I'm going to crush it. <laughs> and I did, and he's like, well, okay. I guess I got to do it. And he was so irritated, and he was like crabby and grumpy, and I just had this big smile on my face. <laughs> I'm like, I'm helping. I did this to you. There was a there was a kid that I went to school with and it was probably around that same age where there was some sort of a smoking anti-smoking campaign at school and his last name was Crabtree I remember his first name was but his dad smoked like a pack a day and he hated it and this whatever the thing was at school I remember him getting up in front of the class and saying it was later like down the road he was like I challenged my dad that if I could get this certain grade or certain something he would have to stop smoking but put all the money that he put into smoking into a jar. And if I got – or it was like maybe that was the deal for a few months or something. And if I got this grade, I got all the money in wow. the jar. that's cool. And he did it, and his dad ended up stopping smoking from it, and he got like 400 bucks. Nice. And so he was trying to point out to the class like – This could be financially beneficial to This could to be really good for everybody, but also like look how much money your parents mm. are spending on cigarettes mm. that they could be spending on other things. Pretty funny. Well, I remember when I got, I came home from college one time and there used to be this giant, um, like huge, like novelty sized jar of mints. Cause every time my dad wanted to dip, he would just like eat a mint. Oh. Hmm. And I remember the jar of mints wasn't there and there was a little pack of skull on the counter. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm a grown up. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, we had a deal. He was we like, yeah. And you're a grown up now too. So leave me alone. <laughs> So I don't know if he's like if he's fully regressed, but I remember having that conversation. Like, yeah, you're a grown up now. Just leave me be. Hmm. <laughs> Stop guilt tripping me. I don't have to put up with your annoying doe eyes anymore. <laughs> Judgmental A report card. That's funny. Get off my case, toilet face. <laughs> toilet face? Have you ever heard that before? No. Yeah. <laughs> Get off my case, toilet face. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard that one. Look at this. So I guess this is like a like water, hmm. but you cover this. You put down this blue layer, and then you cover the whole thing with clear. And it's like shimmery water. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. This is a very big base for this thing. This is three bags of just uh, footprint, which is pretty wild. Uh, we're like, uh, oh, we are almost an hour in. I put this on backwards. We talked about kids and stuff for a long time. So I, I think all of that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for this. And I think everybody out there, you're not a failure. I felt like a failure and it took a lot of very nice, well-meaning people to openly admit and from to convince myself that you're not failing. You're having, you're being challenged hmm. because you're a parent or you're challenged at work or you're challenged in your fitness goals or whatever it is, you're being challenged and you, you can't retreat. Retreating is usually never really the answer. That's true. You have to face those things head on and you have to be better than the challenge. Because if you're a parent, like th this is not the only one you're going to face. 
Yeah. I, I, I can say that from the tiny experience that I have. When I go retreat, it doesn't solve it. The things don't magically go away. You just have to face them later. And so. honestly, they kind of get reinforced if you don't if you don't deal with them and you just ignore it and you come back to deal with it later. It's going to be harder to deal with for you yeah. and for the kid, I think. You know? And I think that facing it or enforcing it is not retreating to run away and to escape, but maybe pausing to try to seek kind of guidance or clarity mm-hmm. and then going back with a level head and talking to your kids. If you haven't ever apologized to your kids, I, I highly suggest doing it. It makes you feel better, and I think it's a net win altogether. It doesn't make you look like a weak authoritarian. I think it makes you look like a normal person who is trying to figure it out. Yeah, and who, you know, I mean, admitting that you don't have all the answers actually kind of gives you, it shows that you have some wisdom, you know? Yeah. I think that's a good thing. Uh, we've talked about this book before, but if, if anybody's dealing with this type of stuff, um, Scream Free Parenting yeah. is a book that really talks a lot about this, and it the whole thing boils down to separating your kid's action from your responsibility. And it's basically like, I don't even know how to explain it succinctly, but it it helps you separate your reaction to your kids from their behavior because those things don't have to be tied together, but they are naturally. And so it's a a good book and it just kind of gives you, I think, some clarity of mind about who you are separate from who your kids are and how you are in control of how you react and stuff. So I would. And I definitely think it's one of those things that needs to be read periodically. Oh yeah. It's, it's not a one and done. Nope. Nope. It's a, you, you read it and it will speak to the situation that you were in currently. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I read it one time and I go, I need to read that book again because the, the tenants of it, you know, I guess it's not some like step by step process. It's the way that it changes your, reaction and your outlook to your dealings with your kids Mm -hmm. and it's healthy to have that kind of reiteration yep totally agree it's good stuff um you got anything else you want to talk about i don't know how long are we talking about like an hour i finally finished stranger things season three oh yeah yeah did you like it i did like it that's good spoiler in case you haven't watched it you may want to cut this off here but uh it's been out for like a couple months, so I figured it's probably yeah. <laughs> not a big deal anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did like it. I mean, it was definitely different, uh, but I liked how it all came together. Um, what do, where do you think Hopper is? Do you think he's in the prison? Was he the one, the American that they talked uh, about? I think so. I think because he's been such a positive character, Yeah, and I think he still has a lot to give. Before they showed that after credit scene, and it just you know showed him gone my first thought was maybe he knew that it was going to explode so he jumped into the rift and went into the upside down i thought about that before too. it exploded and like the next season will be them trying to get him back or him or trying they to get got out him out the russians got him out mm-hmm. and that's why he's in the thing they were well, already in there in another portal yeah well i wondered if maybe the portal that they had maybe they had one in russia and then they had one there and they were tr- actually trying to use him as like a a gateway? Yeah, like mm. we can move stuff to the U.S. without anybody knowing. And so Ooh. maybe they already had a connection between them, and he just that's a good jumped theory. through and then ended up in this prison or this, you know, I Russian like whatever. I don't know. I liked it there. What did you think about the never-ending story sing-along part? That was pretty funny. 
It was kind of annoying, but yeah. pretty. It funny. was a little annoying. I thought it was dragged out a little long. Yeah, too. It, was. it was entertaining. <laughs> okay, so I hope, and I don't know how many more seasons they're doing. I think one or two, but I hope that they will make Will not look like he's fifteen, dressing like a nine-year-old. Mm. All the other kids like aged up in. You know, not only like how their hair is and their their bodies are aged up and their clothes aged up a little bit. He still has like these short cut off weird shorts with like a tucked in shirt. And Jenny was like, well, yeah, that was very 80s. And I'm like, well, that was 80s for like a nine year old. But that kid's like in high school now. Maybe they're trying they, to reiterate that like, cut and, I don't know, he was in the upside down and it kind of he broke was him. stunted or something like yeah, he was snapped be. away and then came back. Could be. But the whole season, I was just kind of like. Like, they need to fix that. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it's not important. It stuck out to me, though. I liked it, though. It was good. Cool. And we've been watching Holy Moly since you recommended that. <laughs> we watched the second episode last night. It was so good. Rob Riggle is hilarious. If you don't know Holy Moly, Josh found this. It's on Hulu. It's a. It's kind of like Wipeout, but it's a mini-golf tournament. So it's like extreme mini-golf, and it is hilarious. Did you watch most... Or, uh... Extreme Elimination Challenge. Oh, yeah. Pro or con that over Wipeout? Hmm. I think I liked Wipeout a little bit better. I mean, we watched MXC all the time. Yeah. And it was hilarious. So it's not that I didn't like that, but it was a lot of the same. Like, but you could interchange pretty much any episode, and there was mm-hmm. never anything new. It was just different groups of people um, and different jokes and stuff. At least Wipeout changed over the course of it. You know, year to year, they had different things. But, I don't know. I liked them both. Yeah, me too. For sure. All right. Well, where can people find you? Uh, on the socials at Josh underscore make stuff. You can find all of us at I like to make stuff on all the stuff. Josh drops stuff. Drops up again. I'm doing tiny fingers. I'm almost done. Look, he's standing up. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yep. Um, a big thanks to everybody that helps out uh, in our Maker Alliance. If you're not a part of the Maker Alliance, there's a couple ways you can do that, and it supports everything that I Like to Make Stuff does, and it gets you access to more of us. So we each do a video a month. So there's four videos a month that are exclusive to the Maker Alliance, and they're like shop tours, kind of updates what's going on. Anthony will ask questions sometimes, like all this. We have different stuff. Those people also get early viewing of videos when we get them done in time. and you can do that on YouTube under the membership tab, or you can go to patreon.com slash I like to make stuff. Either one, same rewards, same stuff. Go check it out if you want to. It helps out this show and the company as a whole. Yep. Anthony has been making some awesome content mm-hmm. that goes up there first. It's up there right now. Oh, yeah. The There's, other part of the farm video is yep. up there right now. So if you're interested in the farm and content at all, you can go see it. Um, I, I'm going to give him praise over there. Uh-oh. Anthony's uh, editing and his take on videos has been refreshingly new. Hmm. So a lot of people just assume that Forby does all the editing, or sometimes people give me credit for editing. Uh, I edit barely anything. <laughs> Ads and things that you know make corporate people happy. Uh, Forby edits the big stuff, which makes all of you happy, and Anthony makes all of the stuff that makes the behind-the-scenes people happy. <laughs> yeah. So if you see <laughs> it right. in the Maker Alliance, and, or maybe eventually we'll see it on the second channel, um, if it's silly and like cut together in a way that doesn't quite seem I like to make stuff, <laughs> but still in that same vein, Anthony did it and he's doing uh, a fantastic job. Yep. Totally agree. 
That's Aww. all the compliment you get. Yeah. Oh, and we watched Birdemic today for lunch. Anthony and I did. <laughs> Absolutely happy. So bad. Such a terrible movie. So terrible. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, that's it for this one. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.